Thanks, Doug. Hello, uh, my name is Dr. Sean Haley. I'm a clinical psychologist with Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers. And I'm here to talk about how to manage the stress of studying for the bar exam. Uh, I'm going to share my screen so you can see some lovely slides and not have to look at me the whole time. All right. Um, so as I mentioned, if you have questions, feel free to put them in the Q&A box. And at the end, uh, I'll leave time to circle back and address any questions. And if I don't know any answers, I'll just make something up and hopefully that'll be adequate. Um, or I'll try to point you in the right direction at least. So as I mentioned, my name is Dr. Sean Healy. I'm a clinical psychologist with Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers. Um, I do things like this. I do presentations on uh, mental health, stress management, taking care of yourself uh, to lawyers, law students, judges, legal professionals uh, in law schools, firms, bar associations, pretty much anywhere that a group of legal professionals are gathered. And uh, another thing that I do is talk one-on-one -on -one with people. I also do groups. I also do a fair amount of writing. So uh, one is a, a book that myself and my colleague wrote on depression. And occasionally you'll see things that I write in uh, Mass Lawyers Weekly and other legal periodicals or websites in addition to our website. Um, if you're not familiar with Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers, I would like to take the opportunity to familiarize yourself uh, or familiarize you with us. We are a lawyer's assistance program. We are the only one in Massachusetts. Uh, we are a free and confidential service to law students, lawyers, judges, and other legal professionals. We also serve family members of those people. So we're funded through a portion of bar dues that every lawyer pays in the state. When you get your bar card, we are listed on the back of that bar card as a free resource to you. Because we're funded through bar dues or portion of them, we don't charge for anything that we do. And our services are also confidential. So you don't need to wait until you're a dues paying attorney to take advantage of us. Um, you can take advantage of us at any point. Um, we focus on a variety of uh, areas or ways to help. So we do things like uh, mental health and stress management services. So we have clinicians like myself who meet with people one-on-one -on -one virtually. Uh, back in the day, it was in person as well. And one day it'll be in person again, but right now it's all virtual. And we help connect people with resources that would be helpful. So uh, supports in the community, referrals to therapists. Uh, we also provide a lot of uh, practical tips that would be helpful in terms of stress and time management, anxiety management, self-care, um, well-being in general. We have addiction recovery services as well. So that's for law students and lawyers who are in recovery or wanting to be in recovery from a substance abuse issue or a behavioral addiction. And then we also have uh, practice management services. So when you are practicing, uh, you can take advantage of those services that's staffed by attorneys who consult with firms and civil practitioners around the practical end of practicing law. 
So um, I always like to give a warning whenever I do a presentation that typically I start out stressing you out. So you might experience a rise in anxiety, uh, but then my goal is to then help you reduce that anxiety by the end. And when you walk away or log off, you'll have some tools in mind that could be helpful. I'm going to talk about a lot of different things. And my second warning or recommendation is to, to not do all of them. It would be overwhelming to try to do all of these things that I'm going to talk about. So I encourage you to pay attention to, you know, one or two things that, that sort of jump out at you or seem to resonate. Uh, that would be helpful to try. Then give it a shot. Try it out. See if it works for you. See if it helps. If it doesn't, try something else. Um, but all to say, there's lots of things you can do, but you shouldn't be doing all of it because that's not realistic. So here's the stressing you out part. So why is studying for the bar exam so stressful? There's lots of reasons. This is not an exhaustive list. Obviously, in a high-pressure environment and situation, you've got a lot riding on it. Many bar examinees are thinking that the bar exam is the result of you know, years of study of law school. So if you don't pass, you've wasted your time and money. Um, that increases your stress levels and pressure. Um, one, that's not true. Uh, many people have taken the bar exam multiple times and they eventually pass and they put it behind them and they go on to have successful practices. But the, the more that you can do to reduce your stress in the process, you're gonna benefit all around. There's other things that contribute to your stress. I wanna direct your attention to the bottom row there and that particularly when you're uh, under time pressure, uh, you might have experienced this in law school along with these other uh, sources of stress. But particularly when you're trying to cram in a lot of preparation in a short amount of time for something that's really important to you, you often feel like you don't have enough time. And then the results of that are often that you, you sacrifice other things that are good for you in order to maximize your time. Right? So you reduce your social supports. You don't talk to your friends as much. You don't do social things as much because you sort of cut those out in order to spend more time preparing for the bar and studying. Another thing that you often are tempted to do is to reduce your sleep, right? To cut out sleep so that you can take that time and use that time to either catch up or to, you know, sharpen your skills. The problem with that, if it's not obvious, is that whenever we sacrifice things that are good for us, in service of something that is uh, a time pressure that actually harms us, right? You, when you don't have enough sleep, and I'll talk about this a lot more in a minute, but when you don't have enough sleep, no matter what you're doing during that time, you're not as uh, productive. You're not as uh, high functioning as you would be if you were well rested. So we'll talk about ways of addressing that and tips of improving your sleep. Uh, in a minute, but the last thing there, uh, exceptions become rules. So oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we wouldn't recommend that what we're doing continues. We, we often see that well, this is an exception. I wouldn't normally spend this much time studying. 
I wouldn't normally cut out all the fun stuff in my life just to study for an exam. This is an exception to my rule. I wouldn't typically neglect my, my well-being as much as I am now. This is the exception. It's a special circumstance. The problem is that that often becomes the rule. You might have already experienced this in law school where you're like, I just need to get through law school. And then after law school, then I'll take care of myself. Then I'll get good sleep. So even though it feels like or it can feel like you don't have the luxury of taking care of yourself while you're studying for the exam, that's actually the time when you really need to take care of yourself. And doing so will have beneficial ripples uh, when it comes to studying, when it comes to your memory, when it comes to your performance on the exam. So oftentimes it's counterintuitive to think that the way that I prepare best for the exam is to study less or to, to dedicate less time to studying and more time to taking care of myself. But that's my argument. So I'll be upfront about that. So how do you do that? First, it's uh, important to set healthy priorities. And my little spoiler hint there is you really need to start with you. So oftentimes when you have this, this huge task in front of you, like a bar exam, your priority is to master that, to pass the exam, and then you'll consider everything else after that. Uh, again, my recommendation is to start with you. Don't start with the bar exam. And this, this really goes to uh, your ability to be successful, right? Having the right tools to be successful and not just the intentions. Okay, so when uh, sometimes the, our intentions are to do the best that we can while neglecting ourselves, right? To study and cram in as much information into our memories as possible while getting less sleep that I need. And the, the, obviously the problem is that that method isn't effective. Just like pumping every huge tire with a small bike pump isn't effective. Another thing that's important to pay attention to are your expectations. Right, so examine your expectations of yourself. Do you expect yourself to be able to do something that is unrealistic? And by that I mean, do you expect yourself to be able to pull all-nighters, to, to be tired and effectively store information in your brain? Research shows very clearly that if you are sleep deprived, if you're tired, every aspect of your functioning is affected. So your attention, your memory, your cognitive problem solving abilities, uh, your coordination, your mood stability, all of that is effective, affected negatively when we're tired, when we're sleep deprived. But if in the back of your mind you expect yourself to be able to, to function at a high level while not taking care of yourself, while not prioritizing your own well-being first, that's where you get into trouble. That's when you're, you start to expect the concrete to float. That's just not how it works. It's important to know what is it that you need. Right? So it's one thing to, to be helped by talking to other people to find out what they do to study well, what they do to take care of themselves what they do to manage their stress. That's also really important 
for you to have an awareness of yourself. What's helpful to you? What do you need? What's, what's harmful to you? What's helpful to you? And uh, one of my recommendations I always throw out there is that it's important to pay attention to things even before you're at a crisis point. Right? This is not our nature as uh, high-performing, high-achieving, you know, stressed-out people. We typically try to go full steam until we can't anymore. And that's not actually an efficient way of doing things. Being mindful of what we need in the moment before we're at a tipping point or before we're at a crisis is a much more efficient way of dealing with issues, particularly our stress, than to get to a tipping point and then have to deal with everything all at once. So my encouragement to you is to pay attention moment to moment. What, what do you need as opposed to waiting? So uh, here, the next thing, uh, talking about burnout or preventing burnout, oftentimes we don't think about burnout being related to preparing for something that's time limited. We think about burnout as, you know, it takes a long time to burn out at a job, right? It takes, you know, years of doing something unsatisfying and then you, you finally feel burnt out. But I, I included burnout in this, in this program because the effects of burnout, you might be able to recognize in, in a very high-stress, time-limited experience as well, like studying for the exam. So if you're unfamiliar, burnout is a chronic state of stress. Okay? So it has physical and emotional uh, effects like exhaustion, uh, feelings of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. So if you're trying to study and you're just feeling like there's no point, Right? I, I feel ineffective. I feel like I'm not getting the information that I need. Right? My expectation is that I should know all of this, and I feel like I know very little. Right? Just that feeling uh, in itself, comparing how you feel you're doing to your expectation, can be deflating. It can feel like I'm exhausted by this. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm trying to achieve something that's unrealistic in terms of knowing everything or remembering everything. And by comparison, the result is that I feel exhausted. I feel burnt out. So some warning signs to pay attention to. If every day feels bad, right? it's normal to have bad days. It's normal to have, I don't know if you have a good day studying for the bar. I'll have to ask. But normal to have bad days and then meh days. But when every day feels just bad and it's hard to do the work that you're trying to do or, or if caring about it seems pointless, if you just have like no energy, no motivation, um, things that used to be easier to do are now more difficult. Uh, if you're focusing or your attention starts to dwindle, if you feel like you're more distracted, right, you're trying to study and dedicate hours to studying, but then when you look back on your day, you realize that most of the day was distraction. And, and now you're upset that you didn't get accomplished what you hoped to. And, that, and then that impacts how you feel, which then distracts you more. Um, or a pessimistic view of your abilities. Most people who are studying for something that they're not sure what's going to be on the exam or how they're going to do, oftentimes uh, pessimism is a a likely companion. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, 
a lack of excitement or interest. I think that's normal when you're studying for the bar exam. Um, and also just feeling physically unwell and exhausted. So if any of these things are, are present for you, I would take them seriously, right? Some of them are normal in terms of that they're typical of people's experiences preparing for the bar because it's a really stressful time and you're dedicating a lot of time and energy to it. So you might talk to others and be like, oh, yeah, that's normal. I have that too. It doesn't mean that you should not address it, but you should take solace in the fact that you're not the only one dealing with it. At this point in the presentation, when I've totally discouraged people and stressed them out even more than they were when they started, um, I like to brighten their day by encouraging them with a photo of myself surfing last month. Um, if you're if you're seeing this, that's obviously ridiculous. That's not me. Um, I like to joke that if this was a picture of me, this would be the last picture of me because I don't know how to do that and I would die. Luckily, you know, search for images and you can come up with one of a surfer without putting yourself and your life in harm's way. Um, but I use this metaphor a lot of the surfer because it's uh, it's helpful to focus your attention on what's in your control. The metaphor of the surfer is that the surfer doesn't try to control the wave or the weather or the tide. The surfer just tries to focus on what he or she can do in response to the wave. And most of our stress is very effectively increased when we start to focus on something outside of our control. Right? So as human beings, this is natural to try to control something that's clearly outside our control. For uh, bar prep, you might be focusing on trying to predict what questions will be on the bar exam. You might be trying to, to you know, think about what areas might be a bigger focus. Right? You might try to uh, be clearly trying to control something that is a fantasy. It's a, you don't have control over those things. And putting your time and energy into those things not only is fruitless, but they'll actually increase your stress more. So the way that you uh, shift from that and do something more effective is to identify what you actually literally have control over. Now, the, the discouraging fact about this is the list of things in your life that you have control over is very small. The list of things that you don't have control over is very long. So it can feel like, oh, I'm neglecting all these other things and I'm focusing on this a very small list. But that is my recommendation because that's the only way you can actually positively influence your stress just to focus on what you actually have control over. So one concrete way that you have control in your life is by setting boundaries. And uh, a boundary uh, for our, our purposes here the definition I use for boundaries is a stopping point that you have control over and you say no when you could say yes. So during this time of bar prep, you might need to make boundaries with yourself. Okay. So you might feel comfortable saying no to friends and family who want you to do things. You might say, no, I can't do that. I'm studying for the bar. Can you come out to lunch? No, I can't do that. I'm studying for the bar. So that might be comfortable. What might not be comfortable 
It's setting a boundary with yourself. So you get to a certain point of your day or your, your evening, and you could continue to study, even though you've noticed that you're hungry, you've noticed that you're tired, you've noticed that you're reading things two or three times because it's not sinking in. And at that point, you could say, you know, I'm just going to keep studying. I need to put in a couple more hours. Or you could tell yourself, I'm going to set a boundary that this is my stop time. I'm going to stop studying. I could do more, but I'm not going to. Because a boundary is, is something that's important. It's healthy. It's self-protective. I feel like I have a stopping point that's within my control. Now, the, the opposite of a boundary, in addition to not having a boundary, uh, or a comparison to a boundary is a limitation. Limitation is when you, you work to the point where you can't work anymore. So if you've had the experience of studying or reading to the point where you literally have fallen asleep on your computer or on your couch, right? and you, you wake up and you're like, oh, yeah, I was studying, I was reading, but I just passed out. My brain said, good night, we're done. That's a limitation. That's not you choosing to say no or to stop. That's your brain saying we've reached our limit and I'm shutting off now. It's actually really inefficient to work to the point of a limitation. Even though it, it seems like, oh, well, at least I'm putting in more time. It's actually not effective study time to do that. So boundaries are really important. Now, we're going to go through some, some other uh, strategies that are effective with your, your uh, coping with your stress. And again, have an open mind, but also think about what might speak to you or jump out at you as like, oh, that sounds like it might be helpful and, and try it out. So first and foremost, as I've already mentioned, sleep is probably the most effective thing you can do to um, manage your stress better is have a healthy sleep routine, also known as sleep hygiene. So this is all about having a predictable sleep routine or habit where you're getting enough sleep each night. Right? So for adults, that's between seven and eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, right? So that in the morning you feel like you, you have been recharged, you, you feel rested, and you're able to keep going. As I mentioned, when you don't get good sleep, when you have poor sleep or disrupted sleep, that's when you start to notice things like your coordination is off. You bump into things that you wouldn't typically bump into or you drop things, right? Or your mood isn't as stable. You're more irritable, right? Or you're more sad or your cognitive abilities are affected, right? Like, oh, what is that person's name? All of a sudden having name name finding problems or word finding problems, right? Or I can't remember things that I've just read. Uh, these are all indications that your sleep might be disrupted. There might be other things going on too, but again, this is uh, the most basic way of addressing those core issues is by making sure you're getting good sleep. And the way that you, you improve your sleep hygiene, real quick, real simple, is have a consistent bedtime every night of the week. Give yourself time to sort of decompress before bedtime. Have a bedtime routine where you do the same thing in the same order every night. Right? And basically what you do is you, uh, you classically condition your brain 
that you're getting ready to sleep, your brain starts to prepare for sleep even before you get into bed. Other things that can help is reserve your bed for sleep. So if you're currently studying in bed or taking a break in bed, watching things in bed, try to reserve your bed the best you can. Try to reserve it for sleep so that your brain knows when you get into bed, oh, I know what we're doing. We're going to sleep. Um, Other things that can be helpful if you have trouble falling asleep, you have so many things running through your head and that's a pattern for you, try giving yourself a little time before that relaxing routine to just get that stuff out of your head. So get it out on paper to talk it out just so that it's not there waiting for you when you close your eyes and you try to relax your brain. Uh, Another thing that pops up a lot is people wake up before they want to wake up. And they look at the clock and then they wake up even more because they do math. So turn clocks away so you can't see what time it is. Rely on an alarm to wake you up. And just if you're awake and you don't want to be awake, just try a relaxing technique, deep breathing, which we're going to talk about, or some other meditative technique just to relax and try to get back to sleep. My other thing that I love to uh, recommend is a bit uh, contradictory to what I just said. It's always like to give contradictory um, advice. If you have trouble falling asleep, uh, it's helpful to tell yourself that you don't need to fall asleep. You just want to. And doing this can actually lower your anxiety. Because if you're having trouble falling asleep and you tell yourself, I need to fall asleep, I need to get sleep, I'm really tired, I need to be refreshed in the morning to study more, that actually will raise your anxiety up because you're not asleep and you need to fall asleep. So by telling yourself, you know what, I'm not asleep, but I don't need to fall asleep. I just want to. It'd be nice to fall asleep. I'm fine, and I'll be fine if I don't go to sleep tonight. I'll be tired tomorrow, but I've been tired, and I've made it through a tired day. That'll be okay. I would just like to fall asleep. Sometimes that lowers your anxiety enough, and it relaxes you. It actually helps you get to sleep. There's much more to say on sleep, the importance of it, and on how to improve your sleep. I don't have enough time. Another thing that's helpful for your well-being and for studying is exercise. So physical movement, taking breaks to do something physical is not just healthy for you physically in terms of your physical health and your physical um, strength and stamina, but also when you stop doing something sedentary and you get up and you move, you activate your brain differently. And if you're struggling to understand something that you're studying, um, sometimes the best thing to do is to stop study, to get up, to do something physical, to move around, right? Walk around your house, you know, run around the block, do something physical and then come back to the thing that you're trying to, to figure out. And oftentimes what happens is your brain is activated in a different way and you're using different parts of your brain and suddenly you start to understand things differently because now you're not locked into the rut that you were in. Now your, your brain is activated differently. Um, so this is related to taking breaks, which I'll talk about later. But it's really important not to just sit down and try to study for hours and hours and hours without stopping. That's actually very inefficient. So taking regular breaks is really important. And when you do that, 
doing something physical to be an added benefit. Also your diet. So paying attention to what you're putting in your body, what fuel you're using for your mind and your body is important. Um, when you're stressed out and you're pressured for time, uh, most likely you eat uh, in a way that's reactionary. Like, oh, I'm not, I didn't plan out my meals. I've just all of a sudden noticed that my stomach feels like it's in a knot because I'm starving. And so I need to grab something quick and it's not planned. So oftentimes that can lead to eating stuff that's less healthy for you because it's a, a meal of convenience as opposed to a healthy planned meal. The more that you can try to improve your diet and plan your meals, the better. One, because you're exercising some control there and you, you'll feel like you're actually using your, your ability to influence your life in a positive way. But also you have that opportunity to make healthier choices ahead of time that can help you uh, with your energy levels. So you're not crashing with energy. So if you're relying on caffeine and sugar, that's an unstable energy source. But if you're eating healthy, if you're moving your body, you're going to have more stamina and energy to study when you need to. And you also hopefully will be more mindful of what you need moment to moment uh, as you're as you're planning meals. You're not just going to be reaction reactionary to you know that knot in your stomach, but you're going to be paying attention to to when it's a good time to take a break, to eat something, to drink something. Um, sort of related to that to this idea of being aware of what you need or being mindful. I'll talk about mindfulness more in a minute. Uh, one. One physical thing you can do to specifically treat your uh, stress or tension or anxiety is a, a physical technique called PMR or progressive muscle relaxation. And you can do this anywhere, anytime. No one's going to know you're doing it. You can do it while you're studying. You can do it while you're taking the exam. Uh, but basically what you do is you go through your body in muscle groups and you clench a muscle group and you slowly relax it. Start with the bottom of your body and your toes, your feet, and you move all the way up to your face. And what this does is when you clench a muscle group and slowly relax it, one, you're, you're forcing your body to relax physically. When you're stressed out and you're not mindful of how you're physically feeling, sometimes their muscle groups are tense and they're, they hold that tension. Right. So if I asked you to clench your shoulders and you said, I can't clench my shoulders because they've been clenched for the last hour and a half, then you'll know that that's where you're carrying some tension. But when you physically relax muscle groups, that actually sends messages to your brain that say, we're relaxing now. This is how I feel physically when I'm relaxed. And your brain starts to relax. You start to feel less anxiety because your brain translates that message as, oh, this is not how I physically feel when I'm tense or anxious. This is how I physically feel when I'm relaxed and calm. Therefore, your brain starts to feel more relaxed and calm. Another physical thing you can try is deep breathing. I highly recommend breathing throughout the day. It's very good for you. But deep breathing in particular is something that we often don't do because it takes some mindfulness. It takes some intention. Deep breathing is diaphragmatic breathing. So when you use your diaphragm with a slow inhale and a slow exhale. So oftentimes people breathe in through their nose, you're right, like smelling the flower, 
and breathe out through your mouth like blowing out a candle. And doing that multiple times during diaphragmatic breathing, you'll see your abdomen extend as opposed to your chest. And doing this slowly multiple times can slow down your breathing. You get more oxygen. And again, it sends messages to your brain. And your brain translates those messages as, this is not how I breathe when I'm anxious or stressed. This is how I breathe when I'm relaxed, when I'm calm. And your brain starts to calm down. So you'll feel that calmness in your body and you'll feel it in your emotions as well because your brain starts to respond to you taking physical control over your breathing. Mindfulness is another way of enacting control or, or, and managing your stress. And mindfulness, in a nutshell, is being focused on the present moment. You can probably identify that thinking about the future, thinking about the bar exam itself, that's where anxiety lives. Anxiety requires the future. It requires your imagination. The past, that's where regret lives. In the present moment, if you're focused on the present moment, you can't be anxious. You may not like what's happening in the present moment, but it's not anxiety. Okay, anxiety requires a future focus. So throughout the day, it's helpful to just take a moment and focus on the present moment. How am I feeling physically? What can I notice through my senses? What do I need? Do I need a drink? Do I need water? Do I need food? Do I need to get up and stretch? Right? Do I need to walk around? Do I need to take a deep breath? And what does that feel like? So being mindful in the moment, you take a break from anxiety of the future, and you take a break from regret of the past. And you can just be present focused. Because that's really the only point in that timeline where you have control over anything. It's in the present moment. Another way of, of addressing anxiety and stress uh, is through cognitive restructuring. And this is more helpful uh, or can be helpful for people who, who like to be more cerebral. Right? They, they like to be more uh, focused on their thoughts, their logical thinking. And cognitive restructuring starts with being aware of what thoughts you're having. And then to challenge those thoughts, to be more realistic or to be more neutral. So for example, if you notice that you're having a thought that says, I'm gonna fail the bar exam, I can't do this, there's no way. That is an unhelpful thought because that thought will then make you feel a certain way, which is discouraged or burdened or stress or anxious. And that will then influence your behavior, which often is, I'm going to uh, try less or I'm going to uh, not be as energetic and focused on studying because I feel that it's another loop going to fail. So why bother? Cognitive restructuring starts with those thoughts and then challenges those thoughts. So I'm going to fail. I'm not going to pass a bar exam. Cognitive restructuring would be to say, how can we change that thought? to be less negative and less deterministic. And this is not to say that you should be you know, Pollyanna and say, oh, 
everything's going to work out fine. Lawrence Stewart, small a, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. What this is, is taking an absolute and making it neutral or more neutral. So I'm going to fail this exam. You can change that to this exam is going to be difficult for him. That's still uh, probably is still true, right? It's going to be difficult, but you, you haven't determined the ending with your thought. You've left it. You left yourself with the options. So now if I, if this exam is going to be difficult, that'll make you feel a certain way. You could feel encouraged, challenged, burdened. You have options. And then your behaviors, you have options. I can pull back from it. I can feel the challenge and, and try to uh, address where I feel weak or, or feel energized by the challenge. You have options. But whenever your thoughts are deterministic, they're absolute, and they're negative, we feel less options. And when we feel less options, we feel less control. And when we feel less control, you feel discouraged. So cognitive restructuring starts with those thoughts and then changing those thoughts slightly to make them more neutral and to give yourself more options. Another source of support is social support, um, positive venting, social relationships where you have social capital, non-work or non-study activities. I know these, these might seem like uh, suggestions from far, far in the past there. Um, but it's helpful to be able to vent to people who understand what you're going through. Uh, so if you're not in contact with other the law students or law graduates who are studying for the bar exam, uh, to the extent that you're able to, be in touch with them. Because most of the people in your life aren't going to understand what it's like to study for the bar. And they don't understand what you're going through specifically right now. Other bar preppers will understand. So it's helpful to talk to people who understand and get it. It's also helpful to talk to people who don't. So even though your friends, your family uh, might not get it at all, it's good to talk to them too, not just put them on hold. Because when your, your time in your day is all dedicated to one thing, your world starts to look like one thing. And you're thinking about it. Is limited. When you start to talk to other people who are doing different things and seeing the world differently and are not studying for the bar, that can actually affect how you think about things. It can actually help you problem solve when you, when you realize that other people are solving different problems in a different way and when you get creative ideas for how to think about what you're doing differently. Um, therapists are also very helpful. I know when you're under time pressure, you feel like you don't have time for certain things. So the fact that you're attending this right now or viewing it later on, um, you have my respect. Because a lot of times it feels like I don't have time for these things that might be helpful. I just need to focus on studying for the bar and getting through it. But really the thing that's helpful is to prioritize what's going to be good for you, what's going to be healthy for you. And that will actually help you accomplish your goals. All right, so some practical things that you can try. Uh, one is know your space. So if you're at home and you're trying to study and your physical space is disordered, that's really distracting. Uh, the more that you can have physical space 
where you feel it's organized and less cluttered, that actually helps your brain to be more focused on what you're trying to do. Things like distractions and messiness actually steal your attention away from your brain moment to moment. Your digital space is the same. So if you're studying online on your computer, if your digital space looks chaotic, if you have distractions on your computer, or if you're studying but your email browser's up and you're getting pinged with emails, oh, another email. That's a, the, a very common distraction. So trying to reduce those distractions will be a huge benefit to you. Taking time um, away from distractions like that or even scheduling in your calendar I have a block of time when I'm going to study. And then after that, I'm going to take a break. And then after that, I'm going to check email. Or maybe save that for the end of your day. But having dedicated time for certain things can be really helpful in directing your attention to just one thing at a time in the moment, as opposed to responding to distractions that they pop up. Another thing, I mentioned this already, but um, it's really helpful to know yourself, to know what motivates you? What distracts you? How do you respond to discomfort? How do you study and learn best? Right? It's, it's great to know what other people do, to know like, what options have other people found helpful. It's actually more important, once you know that, to know yourself. What's going to help you? Right? So what motivates you to accomplish what's in front of you preparing for the bar? If you say, well, I'm really motivated by fear. I am freaked out and anxious about failing the bar. That's a really good motivator for me. I would suggest respectfully that you find a different motivation um, because fear is not a performance enhancing motivation. Um, I mean, it is in some ways, but it's not the best performance enhancing motivation. So find out what, what motivates you in terms of what's going to be rewarding, right? What is going to increase your, uh, your emotional well-being while you're doing the thing that you're trying to do, okay? And also what distracts you. And to the, the best of your ability, how can you enact control over those distractions, right? Can you have a place or do you have options for a place to study that is more in line with how you study best. Obviously, during the pandemic, we have often there are fewer options. Right? So what might have been helpful in law school might not be an option now. So going to study in a classroom or in a library, it may or may not be an option right now. But given your options, what would work best? Okay? Um, and you might have to experiment, and maybe you've already experimented with uh, the level of distraction that's helpful. Some people find it really helpful for uh, themselves to be in a completely quiet environment, whereas others, they actually need some level of noise, either a white noise machine to drown out other distractions or light music to sort of give them some background music or background noise. Um, yeah, so figuring out the environment that works best for you, how you study and learn best. Is that reading? Is it listening? Is it doing? So sometimes uh, some people feel like 
I read something, it doesn't stick in my head until after I've talked it out, right? So talking about it or having to explain it to somebody else, that's really helpful. Whereas others, they need to see it, right? They need to, the, the way that they learn best is to see somebody on a video talking about a subject. And that's how it gets in. So they're seeing it, they're hearing it. Um, so the best that you can be aware of how you study and learn best. And given your options, how can you maximize your options or use your options to uh, improve your studying or your, your work environment? Uh, another thing that I would highly recommend, you might have picked up on this already, but multitasking is, is a terrible, terrible idea. It's not actually a thing. Um, we often feel like we're supposed to be multitasking. We're supposed to be able to juggle multiple tasks at the same time. It's not actually possible. When it comes to our, our mental focus, you can only focus your attention on one thing at a time. You can be aware of other things, but your focus can be on one thing at a time. It's very similar to your visual focus. So you can look at this slide, and when you look at it, you actually have to pick a very specific point on the slide to have any sort of visual acuity and focus. You can't look at the entire slide at one. You can be aware of it, but your focus is on something very specific. The same is true for your studying. When you're trying to study, you can't be checking email and studying, right? You can't try to study while you're talking to somebody else um, that's unrelated to what you're talking about or studying, okay? So try to eliminate the temptation to multitask. Try to focus on one thing at a time and uh, you'll probably benefit immensely. Uh, I already talked about reducing distractions and taming tasks is really about breaking things down into manageable chunks. So preparing for the bar exam is too big of a task to do all at once. So breaking it down, even day to day or hour by hour, breaking it down can make it more manageable. For those of you who struggle with procrastination, um, doing some procrastination technique like eat the frog can be helpful. So eat the frog is a technique where you take the worst thing on your list and you do it first thing in the morning. So you start off your day with the hardest or most important task. And then um, taking breaks. I've already mentioned this as well. But taking breaks is really important. Uh, not only is this helpful in uh, your well-being, it also helps with productivity to periodically throughout your day, take a break and stop doing the thing you're doing. A break is an opportunity to pay attention to what you need, to get your needs met, to do something different with your brain, to relax, and then come back to the thing that you're doing, feeling a little more refreshed and possibly with a different perspective. So just as a reminder, Schedule some time for yourself. Prioritize yourself. Don't treat yourself like a robot because you're not a robot. You have needs, and it's good to be aware of those needs. And it's good to be aware of the resources you have to help with those things. Um, boundaries, saying no. Uh, it's okay to ask for help. 
And if you prioritize your health now, you're going to be more likely to prioritize your health later uh, when you need it to. So that wraps it up. I'm going to leave a few minutes for, for questions. I'm going to stop sharing my screen so I can see some, some questions. Um, feel free to write anything in the Q&A box. Um, but as we're, we're waiting for those, if, if you have questions, fine. If not, I'll, uh, there's lots of other things I can talk about. Um, I will, uh, when I've talked to other law students preparing for the bar, I think a, a big thing that is neglected in their preparation is really like how they're emotionally handling the pressure. Um, most bar prep programs can help you to uh, sort of break up the studying, give you schedules, give you techniques for studying. But oftentimes that uh, the psychological and emotional factor of like fearing that you don't have what it takes, right? that imposter syndrome, um, fearing like you're going to fail, um, that can elicit more stress, more anxiety, which makes it harder to do the thing that you want to do. Right? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I truly believe that I'm going to fail, uh, it's actually going to make me more likely to fail. So things that you can do about that, one is just to recognize when that's happening. When is it when I'm feeling like, you know, it's hopeless or I don't think I can do this. And research shows that when you have a more optimistic view, you're actually more able to perform better. That's not how you say that, but you're able to perform better when you have a, a more optimistic view. And um, so if you think, you know what, uh, I don't know if I'm going to pass, but I'm going to do the best I can. Just a small change like that in your thinking can help you feel a different way. Um, let me just take a look at the questions. So one question, what's your advice for someone who is studying a lot but not doing well in the practice exams? This makes them nervous that they're not doing enough, et cetera. So um, one thing I would do, uh, so, so two things, on a practical level, uh, getting some feedback about those practice exams can be helpful. So whether that's through a bar prep program, whether that's uh, asking someone you know to, to give you some feedback, looking at your answers. Um, I've heard stories of lawyers who have failed the bar exam multiple times, and then they talk to a bar prep coach. And one person got feedback that said, you're thinking too much about this, like simplify it. And that was sort of alarming to the, to the person. It's like I thought I was supposed to think a lot about this. Um, so sometimes that feedback, a different person's perspective can give you important insight uh, to how you're performing on an exam. So that person uh, who got that feedback, she took that advice and passed the next time she took it. Um, so the other part of it is it really depends on uh, what's influencing your results in the practice exams. 
if you're nervous taking the exams, uh, that can influence your, your performance. So things like um, paying attention to how you're thinking about yourself prior to the exam. Research shows that whenever we think about a test as being indicative of our intelligence, our performance goes down. But if we just think of the test as that this is not indicative of our intelligence, it's just a test. Our, our performance goes up. So what that, what that tells me is that the way we think about an exam or how we, uh, how we perform and what it means about us or our identity, that has an influence on how we feel and how we actually perform on it. So one thing you can do is before you take the exam, try to just spend some time uh, visualizing yourself or think about yourself as passing the exam and being a lawyer. So one day being done with it and you're going to be, you know, beyond it. Um, I just notice how if that sort of visualization and just assuming that it's all going to work out eventually, how that makes you feel in the moment and whether that helps with your performance. Those are the two things that, that come to mind with that. Um, see for other questions. So the SJC said for mass bar takers that they might change the format, but we don't know when the bar software is crashing and has problems. How do we stay calm when things might change last minute? That is the question of the moment. It's um, a great question. Uh, I think everybody is struggling with this question in multiple areas of their life because so much is uncertain right now. You know, what the bar exam will look like, uh, how you're going to take it, uh, jobs, schools, reopening. Right? There's so much uncertainty that it, it's really alarming because oftentimes we, we are comforted by certainty. Like if I know what's coming, I'll feel like I can be prepared ahead of time. Oftentimes, like today and our current world situation, there's so much uncertainty that we don't have that benefit of feeling like I know what's happening, I know what's coming, and therefore I can be prepared for that certainty. Um, so the way that I would say uh, you can address that or stay calm is to focus on yourself in terms of um, your ability to adjust, right? We call, we call this resilience, right? So telling yourself, I don't need to know how the bar exam is going to be. I know that I can adjust. Even though I prefer to know ahead of time, I can adjust last minute. And what I'm going to focus on is just preparing the best I can, but reassuring yourself they're going to be able to adjust well. Okay, um, I know that's not a that's not a reassuring answer. Like it doesn't take away that anxiety, but whenever we're focused on the uncertainty of something outside our control, it's helpful to turn our attention to something within our control, which is what am I going to do right now? How am I going to be sort of uh, thinking about or talking to myself internally about it? Right. So if I if I spend my time thinking about anxious uncertainties, 
I'm not going to feel very well. If I spend my time thinking about, you know, I've put in time, I'm able to adjust to things. I've done it before. I've adjusted to uncertainty before. I've made it through. I'm a resilient person. And I can do that again. That is a, a more effective way of focusing on something that's in your control to help stay calm. And another thing is just to, I would encourage you to talk to other people about it. One, because you're not the only one going through this. Everybody's feeling this way, the with all this uncertainty. And just knowing that other bar preppers are going through that can be really reassuring. Because it's not just me. I'm not the only one who's having trouble staying calm about this. Other people are too. And we're going through this together. And the, then the burden isn't all on your shoulders. It's a shared burden. And shared burdens are always lighter than burdens all on our shoulders. I don't know if that answered all of your, your concerns, but um, I would highly recommend uh, reaching out. Um, my information is at the end of the slide. Uh, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at L-C-L-M-A dot org. LCL stands for Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers, MA, short for Massachusetts, dot org. Uh, feel free to reach out by email or give me a call. You can find it on our website too. I'm happy to talk to anybody individually and suggest more things that might be helpful. But my again, my encouragement is to, to try some of these things that might be helpful to you. Uh, if they're helpful, great, keep doing them. If you don't find them helpful, try something else because sometimes a, a small change in a positive direction uh, can have a big impact in terms of your overall, your overall sense of uh, well-being, your overall stress management. And I will throw it back to Doug. Thanks everybody. Um, once again, we wanna thank everybody for attending. Thanks Sean for speaking. And we'll conclude the presentation here. I can send out Sean's slides as well as his contact information. And we wish Thank everybody you. a good night. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.